1: Gorgeous George and Goes are you ready? Junkie Nation are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las
0: Vegas, Nevada. This is MMA Junkie Radio. Junkie Radio. We roll it!
1: What's going on Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back in your life. That's an Ariel Helwani line, but we are. So every Monday and Thursday, we come at you guys here, and on Mondays, we recap what happened over this weekend, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about Aspinall versus Tabora, also known as UFC Fight Night 224, or UFC on ESPN Plus 82. Uh, Yeah, this was a a fun fight to, to talk about. I think there's a lot that came out of it, so we'll talk about this the whole card the latest news from this past week and of course we're going to give you reminders throughout the show and throughout the week about our watch along on saturday for ufc 291 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific on saturday we'll be there you've counted on us all these years we're not going to let you down all right we'll reset and start the show get into it guys let's talk about this london card and then we'll kind of go back throughout the week and talk about some of the latest news that's happened um so tom Aspinall defeated martin tabora in the main event and we just wrapped up sbc and i still have a little bit of um some remains that i want to talk about from our discussion there man you know, coming back from a serious knee injury has got to be pretty stressful. And that's what All did. He blew out his knee. Apparently, he had had some knee problems for years. And so, I don't think I would ever call it a blessing. But he actually got the damn thing repaired. And boy, did he look great. And this is what I'm talking about. Not just the finish. When he went out there and he was just moving around. You know, I've, I've always been big on this guy because of his hand speed. But I'm telling you, man, this guy's ability to just cover ground and then put it on someone. Holy cow. Marcin Tabor won seven out of eight. This wasn't a tomato can they put out there in front of him. This is a guy that actually wrecks people himself. And Aspen made it look like nothing. Again, coming off a serious injury and a one-year layoff. React, What was your what were your thoughts there?
0: You know, I'm glad you brought that point up because I don't think anybody brought that up in spinning back click. That was the thing coming into this fight. Was that was probably the major storyline is is he gonna look the same, right? He's been off for a while, he had an injury. I you know, not so much of the fight played out where you could really say too much, but he just looked fantastic. And I feel it gives you the feeling that if that fight went Five rounds, he would have still looked really, really good it mentally. You looked sharp, um, and in the cage, you just you could tell he was happy to be there. And he just presents a new puzzle, you know, for the champion. Um, uh, granted, that's a, a piece of the puzzle that we're not going to get to for a very w- long time, but uh, when that day comes, it, it's going to make things a lot more interesting. Like for me, Tom Aspinall, his stock rose a little bit more than I would have thought at the start of the week.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, for me to be forgetting Sergey Pavlovich, even for just you know the couple hours that I was still buzzing over his uh, finish, you know that says something. I'm telling you, man, this guy, along with Pavlovich, are and Cyril Gaon. To be fair, are three guys that can you know take this division forward. If Jones retires, because if Miocic wins, I think he retires. Why would he want to fight Jones again? And then is nowhere around for them to settle the trilogy. Plus, he's 40. He just doesn't fight very often. So I think he retires, too. And if Jones wins, he may just retire saying, hey, look, I finally went up to another division. I won. So I'm a champ champ. I got a title defense plus the fucking 11 I got at light heavyweight. And the fact that I've never lost, minus that dumb DQ, I'm um, pretty much the GOAT, leave me alone, right? But, you know, dude, he's only 35, and I still think there's some cheddar to be made there. Only I just don't know if he wants anything to do with Aspinall and Pavlovich. But look, to be fair, I think a lot of us were like, dude, you're going up against Cyril Gone. This guy's a great kickboxer. And he shredded that guy. So who knows, man? This sport is so hard to really... Convince anyone that we know it all, because when we think we do, we
0: we sometimes are just less speechless by the athletes. But, but here's what we do know. We're now at that stage where we've probably gone through two sets of careers. Right. For fighters. And what we have noticed is you better have some pretty damn impressive stats because for us to go back. And some of these names that we bring up all the time, like BJ Penn, Matt Hughes, that were just amazing in their time, Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, it is very easy to forget about them when this new crop of fighter comes into the sport and accomplishes what they do. So if you're a guy like John Jones, I think the way you absolutely I like I think his career is pretty set, but his legacy, they're I remember the feeling of the very first champ champ. Wow, you know, oh my God. But then there was a lot, of now there's kind of a lot of them. So now you have to distinguish yourself. So for me, John Jones going up and capturing a heavyweight title, well, that's a big gap, right, in weight, doing something like that. That alone is very impressive. But if he defends that thing a few times, holy crap, that is something that just becomes almost untouchable, it becomes immortal. And to do that, he would have to go through Stipe, And if you if he's around for Aspinall and Pavlovich, I think those are two good names, man. I think that I mean, obviously, everybody's always going to point to Francis Ngannou. But uh, what's in front of us and what we can control is this. And if if he stuck around and bought those two guys and beat those two guys, like that is just the name that you can never no matter what time period you're in, you could just never overlook the great John Jones.
1: Yeah, he is pretty much going to go down as the greatest of all time because of the second title that he won. If he loses the Miocic, that hurts him a little bit because now that makes him mortal like most of the other goats with the exception of Habib Nurmagomedov, who just can't match the other goats with title defenses. But if he can get a few more title defenses, because he's already locked up the greatest light heavyweight ever, can't take that away from him, right? If Mm -hmm. he can lock up greatest heavyweight ever, here's what he needs to do. It's a two-horse race between Stephen Miocic, who has, what is it, I think four title defenses, and Fedor Emelianenko. So Emelianenko obviously went like 30 fights without a loss, 30-some fights without a loss, and then he lost three in a row and then a few more. But look, basically I think what you can hold, if you're a historian, if you're a purist, a hardcore, a junkie, whatever, you basically give him all of his run, you have to include the Verdum loss, the Bigfoot loss, the Dan Henderson loss, and then after that, there's been like a second career, but at that point, he wasn't fighting at his peak. And so, you match that up against pretty much Miocic and what his run's been like, which most of his run, he didn't have those cupcakes on the schedule, like Zulu Zino and uh, yeah, Choi. Yeah, Hongman Choi or Whoever else can Konse- who did Conseco fight? Was it Feyar as well? Kense- Can't even remember. No,
0: Conseco fought. Uh I think it was Hungman Choi that he fought.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, he he um he had a few layups, but he also had some tough, tough dudes over at Pride when the USC just wasn't number one. Mm-hmm. And so Miocic pretty much, you know, once you're in the USC, he had uh tough fight after tough fight. And so he's the greatest UFC heavyweight ever because he's got the most title defenses. He's got an amazing record. He meets some tough, tough guys as well. Um, And I say it's a two-horse race. So if you can beat Miocic, sure, you beat him, but you're going to hear that you beat him towards the tail tail end of his career, and you can't match him in title defenses. Fedor, by the way, I think has six. I don't know, because he had Wama, and he had some fights that were Grand prix. But I've gone back to look, and it looks like you could attribute six fair title defenses to Fedor. Now, if Jones can beat him, he'll still, can beat Miocic, he'll still lack. But if he can stick around and beat Miocic, Aspinall, Havovich, Jesus, even if Ngandu were to come back, just like those four, I'm telling you guys, I don't think John Jones could be displaced as the greatest athlete ever. I don't care if some guy comes in and is 50, and know, you know, 10 years later or whatever. Because I for one, I just don't think 50 and 0 is possible. But you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think in the, in that regard, he would definitely be a more like because he now he'd be the greatest light heavyweight and heavyweight of all time. Yeah, I you know, like that. God bless Henry Cejudo, who's a champ, champ. He's the best combat sports athlete ever because of his wins in MMA and the gold medal in wrestling, in my opinion. But he's not even the best flyweight ever because that's still DJ. They're 1-1 there, but DJ smashes them with title defenses. And he's definitely not the greatest man weight ever because he's got Dominick Cruz. He's got I think five title defenses. And Al Sterling's kind of blazing his trail. He's got three. He's going to have four if he can get past O'Malley. So you know, you see what I'm saying? Like he can't even lay claim to just one of the divisions, but he can lay claim to the greatest combat sports athlete when you combine everything. So there's just so many things out there. Greatest, greatest of all time, Mount Rushmore, baddest man on the planet. It's hard to keep track when I'm trying to make sense out of all of them, but I think Jones can almost hit them all if he can beat me and stick around for a few more.
0: Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I don't know, man. I don't know what kind of steep Miocic we're gonna get. But regardless, if he just beat if he beats him, and especially if he beats him the way he beats Surreal Gone, you still have to give him some credit for it. And, and then if he sticks around and does that, like he's just untouchable at that point. He really, really is. I don't care if Francis who doesn't come back at that point. Like, just what he's done there to me is is absolutely untouchable.
1: You know what's uh pretty crazy too is that he can if one of those could be a stadium fight and if he could just keep staying out of trouble, which I think he's going on two years now, of not being in trouble. I think he could at least finish on a high note and not, I'm not saying we would forget everything he did, but it would just get talked about less. And I think he could start getting celebrated like a Mike Tyson, for example, all all these athletes that have had something happen along the way, but now they get these standing ovations wherever they go. You know, because we are more consumed with the memories they've left us versus the controversies they left us. So he has a chance. He has a chance to put some money on his pocket, solidify goat status, do so much. But, man, I'd love to see one of those. I know it's a lot to ask, but I'd love to see one of those be either Aspinall or Pavlovich after Miocic. And, yes, mm-hmm. I think he's going to beat Miocic at this one, just because I think Miocic is just, dude, come on. That long layoff and 40. At least when Jones came back, he was only 35 after the layoff. But, but Miochi's just a little older. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just uh,
0: I don't have a good feeling from that one.
1: Him and Tom Jones and Tom all have another thing in common. all really should only have one proper loss. His overall record is 13 and three, but he could easily be 15 and one. Well, I shouldn't say that. Okay, the fight against Curtis Wade is a TKO loss because he basically blew out his knee and they waved off the fight 15 seconds in. I mean, the fight almost never happened if you think about it, but I shouldn't also give him the win because I don't know if he would have beat blades or not. So let's right. forget about that one. It could be a no contest, but back in Bama, he did an illegal downward elbow, just like John Jones. And he got, he took a loss. That's the one loss that John Jones has It's the 12 to six.
0: Um, oh, Hammer.
1: yeah. So <laughs> they have something in common there, but, He was so worried if John Jones even knew who he is. John Jones definitely knows who he is. It doesn't mean he's going to fight him, but he was like, geez, I might take that as a win. The, The guy is very likable, Tom Aspinall. And I don't know if it was you or Danny Segura that brought it up. But at some point, as fun as it is to, you know, talk about John Jones in that way or whatever, if he turns the corner and it looks like they may collide, hey, this guy's, he he needs to he needs to let go of him being kind of his hero or putting him on a pedestal and focus more on jacking him up you know if he wants to take him out too
0: that's true yeah i think danny brought that up
1: yeah um all right so good on him the uk with a heavyweight at the top i've seen it in um boxing and if it can be if that can happen for them in MMA, man, I'm telling you, they'll blow this guy up. He'll be a huge, huge star. He's only 30 years of age, folks, 255, 6'5", and he moves around like a lightweight in there. I mean, this guy has some great, great uh, footwork. Um, okay, the rest of the card was as followed. In the co-main event, Julia stolarenko defeated Molly McCann via submission. First round. Look, there were so many decisions. I'm glad this thing ended on the high of two first-round stoppages. But they were so fast, I kind of wanted a little bit more. Now, Stolya Rinko held her own against McCann on the feet. And then towards the end of the round with uh, two minutes left, she submitted her with a nasty arm bar. Some saying Herzog might have been there a half step too late. I don't want to bury the guy, but at the same time... um. You know, we're starting to call those out a little bit more. It just looked like maybe he got caught a little out of position. Jason's a black belt. He recognizes positions. Um, It just sucked, you know, to see McCann's arm bent so far backwards. But uh look, the fight was a, a clean fight from Stoliorenko's end. Very emotional. She went one in five in the UFC before that win. It almost seemed like she was being teed up to Meatball Molly McCann. And you know, Meatball Molly K- McCann's pretty popular. A lot of people would think that this was the UFC's way of giving her a comeback fight after feeding her to Aaron Blanshield.
0: <laughs> yeah, that did not go her way. And I even saw, uh, I don't know if you saw some comments during Spinning Back Click uh, about her. She's got to turn things around because she has the benefit of the fact that the UFC likes her. They like to promote her. And she's this little underground hero that people like to get behind, but none of it matters if you don't win and two submissions in a row losses, you got to start saying the right things and you got to turn that around. And if you're the UFC, I think you got to give her a matchup that's going to favor her because, uh, Let's talk about certain times in, in in the UFC where people just get really, really excited. When you have Patty Pimlet and Molly McCann on the same card, that energy is pretty nuts, man. And I would want to replicate that as much as I can. But you got to win. You got to win fights. So you got to figure out what you can do there with her.
1: I will say this, because you're right. She's succumbed to two submissions in a row. Um, when Stolen Wrinkle took her back and kind of got hooks in you know, McCann was able to kind of slip out of that and turn the tide. The only problem is she left that arm out. So, it does show us some knowledge of the ground game and some defenses. It's just that Stulli Renko always stayed a step ahead of her. And so eventually that arm was there for the taking. Um, but yeah, she needs to just kind of work on that because she, she could be almost like a, I brought up Matt Brown on spinning back click, but She's just a tough guy because she's a gal. She's a tough gal. And there's always room for these types of fighters in the UFC if you can deliver. And she can back it up, man. She just talks such a good game with that British accent, that thick Scouser accent from Liverpool. Like, I mean, she makes it sound like, hey, we got a problem. Let's step outside. So two two losses is, is tough, right? Mm-hmm. um so she needs a w in her next in her next fight for sure um but can she turn it around i don't know does she have it in her to turn it around who knows because this this division you just saw the other day how good macy barber looked Stolia Ranko, look i'm not just gonna jump the gun and go she's it she's it but she's coming down from bantamweight. weight she made weight and she looked pretty good in this fight standing and on the ground and then of course aaron Blanchill, alexa grasso Valentina Shashenko. I mean, there's some depth in here. So Molly McCann. Miranda Maverick. That has a lot end. of work to do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Miranda Ma- I think Miranda Maverick. Is she fighting this weekend, too? I, I think, think so. Uh, yeah. I think I saw her name pop up. Yeah, she is. She is. Huh? She's back already. I mean, she just took a loss, I think. hmm So she, she fought it around pretty quick. She fought when? The freight train. 289 in Canada. Man. All right. She took that loss to Jasmine Vicious. Anyway, um, back to the London card. Uh, Nathaniel Wood defeated Andre Feely. Feely was not happy with the result. But look, this guy is in so many decisions. How he hasn't figured out how to win, beat the game is beyond me. Even towards the end, he was trying this dumb takedown. And I'm thinking, bro, not only do you have to get the takedown, you got to mount offense off of it. Otherwise, the takedown isn't just what what it used to be. It's very explicit now. You got to produce offense. It's offense Mm -hmm. to get the takedown. But now you're banking on that the judges are sitting there going, oh, my God, we're almost at the end of the round. I'm about to write down a 10-10. If only, and then boom. You think that takedown's going to make the difference? No. They're just not going to write down 10-10s. They're already thinking which way they're leaning based on hard-hitting, damage offense of some kind. He should have been slinging at the end, and he didn't. And Nathaniel Wood, not that he out-slinged him or anything like that. He was just more damaging. So then he went the route of the colonizer comment, you know. And the, of course, everything's off, based off of Duplessis and, and, and Adesanya. He said he was kidding, but he did show some frustration. Who knows? You know, uh, like, like I've told, you know, we we've talked about this, I think, the previous weekend. Who was it? Terrence McKinney. Same thing, man. Forget about the fans, forget about the excuses. Learn that, learn the rules. Learn the scoring criteria, get better, and move on. You know, stop fighting the fans, is, is all I got to say. And, um, but Andre is kind of getting to the end. At least Terrence McKinney's young in his career. Andre is getting to the end. He's probably had like 20 fights in the UFC. That's the part that's kind of disappointing. You know, he's in a good camp where a lot of people have kind of figured things out. The aforementioned Macy Barber, Song Yadong, I mean, they're on their next wave of, of stars over there at Team Alpha Male.
0: Yeah, Andre. Kind of confuses me at times because I just feel like his record should be a lot better than it actually is. We have to do our staff picks all the time, and his name just seems to come up a lot. And every time his name comes up, I have to sit there and really think it out because there are times where he gives you a great performance, and then there's times where you just you're kind of scratching your head a little bit. I think he has all the talent in the world, and I think he has great coaches. There's just something that doesn't click, and uh. That just has me always perplexed a little bit. Like, I can't I can't figure this dude out. But I feel like his career should have gone in a different direction. I think he's very talented.
1: His last finish was Shaman Marias in July of 2019. So literally four years ago. Before that, it was another four years. It was November 2019, 15, excuse me, against Gabriel Benitez. Now, I'm not saying he hasn't had wins. He has, okay? Dennis Bermudez. Arden Lobrov, Miles Jury, Hakam uh, Diaz, Charles Jordan. Those are some decent names. The guy's a really good fighter, but a lot of those are split decisions. He's either winning by split decision or losing by split decision, you know, and then he has that disgusted look of like, what the hell? What's going on, you know? But, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, 33 years old, you know, you start asking for more money, more money, new contract, and at some point, UCG goes, well, you know what, we can get someone younger that does what you do. Right. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah. Uh, I hate the shit on the guy. I'm actually rooting for him to do well. But anyway, Paul Craig did well, though. He dropped to middleweight and faced Andre Muñiz, and he finished him via TKO. Now, a lot of us thought, well, if Craig gets him, it'll be via submission. And not to say Muñiz can't submit. We know he can. But we oh, thought yeah. without the advantage on the feet. Um, look, it was looking good for Muñiz early on, but then Paul Craig, man, he got that takedown and he went to work. He defeated mm-hmm. Andre Muñiz, and now he's being talked about as an instant title contender. Maybe that's a bit too soon, but just someone that's you know should be ranked. I think I would agree more with that. He, you know, he made his debut. He took out a tough guy. But let's cool our jets a little bit now. I understand what people are saying. Hey, he just did well against light heavyweights. Why shouldn't we be saying that? He has a win over Jamal Hill, that's Hill's only loss. Why shouldn't we be saying that's the last guy to wear a strap with light heavyweight? Okay, I, okay, I do get you, I do get you there, but um, there's still a lot of middleweights you got to go through before you get to Israel out of
0: He's he's going to be a player, I think that's the best way to say it because if you look at the top. And even if you float down, uh, down a couple people, like it's going to take some time. But what he has is a skill set that uh, can contradict a little bit of what the champion, one of his deficiencies, right? If you put those two in front of each other, let's just say for some reason somebody doesn't show up and Paul Craig were to f- fill in on fight night, you wouldn't feel like, oh, my God, Israel Adesanya is going to run right through him. You would say, man, what if he gets a hold of him and gets him down? The those live odds would would change really really quick, and so the dude just looks good at that division. um His frame looks perfect, and I, and you know he did win it with striking, right with yeah. the elbows. So I mean, I just feel like he, there's some room for him to get better, and at the same time, those guys at the top are going to knock each other off little by little. I just feel like his road is a little shorter than everybody else's right now.
1: Yeah. Both them guys, man, both those middleweights look big out there. Now, the thing with Paul Craig, who, by the way, man, just has always been a favorite of a lot of people. He's the guy that paints his face the color of the Scottish flag. He has real intense weigh-ins. He's beaten Hill, Krylov, Shogun back in the day. Um, You know, and his losses have really only been to most of the top guys. But, you know, he gets down, but he is 35 years of age, so he'll definitely have to press it. Now, that said, hell, I, I was shocked when I found out Cannoneer was 40. And Cannoneer looked good a few weeks ago with endless cardio. So he's yeah. ready to step in and
0: get his second crack at the champ too. Um, He fights often, too, doesn't he, Craig? Paul Craig? For it doesn't appear and... to
1: be so. Yeah. fought. Let's see here. In 2023, this was his second fight. In 2022, he fought twice. Once in 2021. Twice in 2020. Three times. Four times in 2019. Holy cow. So, yeah, for the most part, he does kind of keep a good active schedule. Um, all right. So, congrats to him. Nice middleweight debut, and if I'm not mistaken, it also got him a, a bonus. But we'll get to the bonuses just a second. Ferris Dallium defeated Jai Herbert, Lerone Murphy defeated Joshua Kulimau. Daniel Marcos defeated Davy Grant. Um, in the prelims, Johnny Parsons defeated. Danny Roberts. Joel Alvarez defeated Mark Diakisi. Mick Parkin defeated Jamal Pogues. Mahmoud Muradoff defeated Ryan Barberina, Katlin Vieira defeated Pani Kianzad. Chris Duncan defeated Yanul Ashmus. Bruno Brazil defeated Shauna Manon. And Jafel Fio defeated Danielle Varez. Now, there was a lot of decisions in this fight card. There wasn't many finishes, so... I had a feeling the bonuses would probably got, kind of go smoother this week than they have in other times. But performance of the night, Tom Astonall and Paul Craig, they get 50 Gs each. Johnny Parsons and Danny Roberts, they got fight of the night. Now, this one didn't go to a decision. They just went at it But Parsons beat Danny Roberts. It was kind of hard to disagree with them, to tell you the truth. Filio's submission was quick. It was nice. Orange triangle. Um, could that have been worthy of a, of a bonus yeah i guess it could have julia Stolarenko, same thing man why didn't she get one you know she made weight and that was pretty nasty the way she took out molly mccann but more love for the tko stoppages wasn't
0: uh i, th- I thought i yeah i thought i told you it was a really weird card because um you know obviously it's a different time so uh that's maybe you're in a different mentality when you're watching fights that really i don't know They weren't the worst fights in the world, but like the pace of it or they weren't, they weren't bad, but they weren't good. It it just, it wasn't what like you're, you're used to getting, I don't know. To me, it was a little strange and I watched half of it live and half of it, I had to go back and watch. And I'm kind of glad the part that I had to go back because I think if I would have sat there for that whole time, I might've been a little bit more pissed.
1: It was, it was a lot of fights. And the stadium, it was full at the end, but it took a while to get full. The decisions just took the starch out of it. In fact, there was a few fighters that didn't even get the chance to say what they had to say because they weren't getting interviewed. Mm -hmm. So much so that one of the prelims became part of the main card, according to the TV schedule. So those opportunities when the fans can erupt, you know, like during a post fight, whether it's um, the finish itself. The highlights of the finish, you always hear, ooh, oh, or whatever. And then the post fight interviews, there just wasn't many of those opportunities. Um so the only other thing I can think of is it's in the UK, what I've noticed is during the summer, those families are pretty big on it's time to go on a holiday. They go to the Mediterranean, they go to the United States. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that, they, they, but you know, I was told by Fada Hanun and a few others around the city, there just wasn't as much buzz. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I guess Tom Mastinol is pretty big, or at least he's a lot bigger now. So, like, you know, I've been on this whole crusade the last year or so, maybe longer, about all finishes should get bonuses. And a lot of it stems from about a year and a half ago, the UFC went to London, and everyone got a bonus. Everyone that finished got a bonus, and they gave out like eight or ten bonuses. I can't remember, but it was all because London brought it. That's all we were told. London brought it, so we're giving everyone a bonus, 50K. And since then, they've been to a lot of cities where the city brought it or the fighters brought it, and it didn't happen. But, you know, if you compare it to other London cards, it it definitely was a little lacking.
0: And when you look at the the area your major sport is just now starting to come back like the preseason there's not a whole lot going on like you would think they would just gotten more play but uh i don't know sometimes uh i go back and forth on the over saturation of uh, saturation of mixed martial arts maybe it was just their week where there's just enough Mm mm-hmm I know this one's going to
1: catch you a little off guard, but I know you know something about it. Amanda Nunes retired. Did Ketlin Vieira just throw her name in the hat as far as being one of the two ladies that should fight for the vacant title that Amanda just relinquished? There's Mm -hmm. Raquel Pennington. There's Juliana Pena. There's Irene Aldana, who I guess technically just lost to Amanda Nunes, so she might not have much of a say. Holly Holm just took herself out of it, but Maida Bueno Silva yeah. is now back in. So, you know, Vera's won three of her last four. She's beaten Kianzad, Holm, and Tate. Big, big names. She's only lost to Pennington by split decision. In fact, she said Pennington should be one of the two, but it sounds like she wants to be the other one and no uh Juliana Pena, and then obviously no Maida Bueno Silva. What are your thoughts now?
0: I think Pena is the shoe in, and I, I kind of lean more towards uh, Myra Buena Silva. She's a little bit more vocal about it. I like Pennington. Um, on paper, she should probably be that person, but she's just getting lost in the shuffle. Uh, Myra Buena Silva did say something that cracked me up, man. And she was just talking about uh, Amanda Nunes and the fact that if Amanda was still there. Because I think somebody had asked her, like, I want to say it was Nolan. Nolan King asked her, like, would you still be clamoring for it if it were Amanda at top? And she basically said, hell no, she'd kill me. And I thought that was so refreshing, Mm -hmm. man. Mm -hmm. And it just goes to show how dominant of a fighter Amanda Nunes was. But I want to, I think, I think Juliana Pena and uh, Myra Buena Silva is probably the fight to make.
1: I'm on team Pennington because I thought Pennington should have got it over Aldana, but because Nunez wanted a fresh matchup, she got got Aldana. But Pennington was the the substitute, right? Mm -hmm. The backup, I guess. Um, Pena obviously is coming off a loss to Nunez, but she also beat Nunez. But Nunez is out of the picture, so there's no trilogy there. It doesn't mean that Pena didn't have a great career prior to that. She did, um, otherwise, she would have never got the title shot. But I think you got to have Pennington in there, and then who who might the other one be? Whoof. I I just think that um, I like Vieira, but she lost to Pennington. Myra Bueno Silva is definitely that was huge for her to, for her to take out Holly Holm, but I think. Hena is just too good of a sell. I think she can sell a pay per view, mm-hmm. and so I think her. Versus She's got to be part it. of it. Yeah, I think it'll be her versus Penny. But what do I know, man? I'm wrong so much that I wouldn't pay attention to me. Um. All right. Any final thoughts on the London card attendance? Fifteen thousand and seventy-eight total gate. Two point five million. You got your bonus winners. You got your fifteen winners on the fight card. Any final thoughts before we move on to some of the latest news?
0: I think it just served its, its purpose, and the purpose was for to kind of highlight Tom Aspinall and make him a player, and I think that that happened.
1: Michael Page got a nice pop at the event. Now, it wasn't crazy, but at the same time, sometimes television has the ability of... Um, how can we say uh, drowning the noise, right? Like someone in the arena can go, "Oh, hell no, they went nuts for him. And then on TV, it might just look like it's not really, it's it's not really much. Anyway, what I want to get to is this. Chandler has proven to be a star. Mm -hmm. He came from Bellator. Uh, Eddie Alvarez, same thing. He came from Bellator. Ben Askren eventually made it over. He was only three fights. He only went one and two, but he kind of, you know, that one year he was there, he made some noise. He choked out Robbie Lawler. He got kneed by Mazadol. Mm-hmm. and then he lost a stinker to uh, Damian Maya, if I'm not mistaken. But recently, Kayla Harrison, who I thought has, had definitely no more shine than MVP, no disrespect to MVP, but, you know, Kayla's a good talker and a, a, a champ. A two time champ, um, a perfect opponent for Amanda Nunes. They didn't sign her. Now, granted, I think PFL had this uh, ability to match anyone or whatever, but the UC could have still given her something so good that the PFL always said, no, 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 we can't do this. And they chose not to. Right. What do you think is going to happen here? Do you think the UC should make it a priority to sign Michael Venom Page?
0: I don't know about a priority. I think he has value. I get that. But how long? Because there are absolute killers in the UFC, especially this division. So if you're think if you're Michael Venom Page and you're thinking about winning a title, I get it. The guy at the top right now, he's a striker, but you got to get to him. And to get to him, you're going to have to go through some of these monsters that are waiting for you. <laughs> I don't know that the UFC is going to give him as much money as he thinks. I think we kind of learned that lesson with Kayla Harrison a little bit. To me, I'd, I'd say go to the PFL. I think the PFL will give you some decent cash, and you have a chance to win a million dollars, and you have less competition than you would in the UFC. I, I would do that, but if I don't think the UFC is losing any sleep if they don't get Michael Venom-Page. Mm-hmm. Hey, you might be right.
1: Uh, The UFC is all about the three letters. They don't make the fighters a priority. But uh, you do need fighters to headline fight nights. And, you know, you want guys that can deliver highlights. And this guy has. Look, it's not like he hasn't delivered some duds, too. Mm -hmm. He has. But, um, man, there's been some times where he's been pretty, pretty damn amazing. And they seem like they always want a good... Um, stable of British fighters. I mean, granted they didn't give Brendan Loughnane a chance, but it seems like, you know, for as much as they want to always be represented well by the UK, uh, I think Michael Venom Page ticks some boxes. So I'd love for him to to get signed over there. Um, All right. This past week we had some news where I guess some of it's still mysterious, but let's let's go in order. So UFC 291 is this Saturday. Goes and I will be hosting a watch-along for the Gaethje and Poirier fight uh, main event. That's the BMF title fight. It is a title fight. They do get pay-per-view points. That's your headline about um, Alex Fajeda versus Jan Bojovic. Jan Bohovic is your co-main event. And uh, again, this is... This Saturday, it's a watch-along that goes on. I'll be hosting, just like we do all the other ones. Tune in. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. UFC 292 is the one in Boston with Aljo and Sean O'Malley. That one's set. 293 is September 9th in Sydney, Australia. So there, it'll be technically the 10th. But here, it'll be the 9th. They have no main event. Nothing's official yet. It's supposed to be Adesanya versus Drikas Duplessis. Rodriguez Duplassi said, hey, let me relax a little bit yet before I commit to this thing. Oh, and by the way, I got a sore foot. But we still don't know what's going on over there. In fact, we don't even know what the co-main event is either. They have like eight other matchups that are set. Tyson Pedro's fighting, Justin Taffa, Shane Young, Jack Jenkins, Ty Tuivasa. But we still don't see a main event. We have a feeling it'll be Israel Adesanya versus someone just don't know who that someone is. Alex Volkanovsky, as you all know, just defended, just had surgery. It won't be him. Who do you want to see Israel Adesanya against? Who do you think it will be, guys? Do you think Draco Stupacis is just dragging this thing on? It'll be him. you think Strickland steps in? Or does Cannonier have a case? A, Cannonier, beat Strickland. And B, Cannonier looked pretty damn good the other day against Vittori. Not to say Strickland didn't. But Kananir, dude, I mean, that guy, like, him and Vittori put on a great fight. Endless Mm -hmm. cardio for 25 minutes.
0: Kananir has a case, but because Israel Adesanya is so rematch heavy, I just don't think fans are going to want to tune in for that. We've already seen them fight. This would be, what, maybe Izzy's third group of of, uh, rematches, right? Vittori, Pereira, and and Whitaker. Um, that's a lot, man. Like we want to see him fight fresh faces. He's already fought Cannoneer. So I I think you you take him out of the equation. Now you're left with DDP. No, wait, so you're left with DDP and you're left with Strickland. Strickland is a fun fight. It's good, but we or we were promised steak and we would be getting hamburger, right? Not a bad one. Good hamburger, but it's still hamburger, right? Everybody wants to see DDP. And you saw uh, Israel Adesanya go off in the cage. They brought him. They brought him in. He said all the things he said to get Strickland. After that, it's just not the feeling I think people want. But we would be able to live with it so long as we can go back and revisit the DDP fight. Now I've heard two people say this: somebody today on spinning back click, and some a friend of mine brought this up yesterday or the day before is DDP playing mind games. And the more and more I think about it, it is possible. He does hold a lot of cards, and he could just be saying, you know what? We're going to make this fight when I say. I could actually see that. So now I'm starting to lean a little bit towards it's going to happen. It's going to be DDP. What about you?
1: Well, a sore foot at least isn't like... Hmm concussion you know i gotta get checked out you know i got knocked down i i i couldn't remember my kids names um i think a sore foot does sound like something that eventually he'll get over but i don't want it to be forced either you or danny said that let's not force a square peg into a circle i'd rather get that one with like 90 days three full months in advance build it the way it should be built, hopefully even in Africa or just somewhere. I don't know. I guess I have i have no problem with it being in Sydney. I'm not trying to say that, but Africa seems to be a big point of contention here. And it just so happens this weekend I, I kind of investigated it a little bit. They have plenty of stadiums, but the UFC just doesn't seem to like doing stadiums. They have an organization there called EFC in South Africa. South Africa does have uh, an arena that's got at least 10 12,000. And furthermore, there's a few in Africa, like Morocco, Egypt, other parts that can get up to 15,000. Granted, it's not Nigeria, where Izzy's from, and it's not South Africa, where DDP's from. But it's in Africa, for crying out loud. So... I don't know. Like, I, I really would like to see that fight in Africa if this one feels like a force. Now, for Sean Strickland, it's no big deal because Sean Strickland, if you woke him up right now, hey, it's time to get up, and then you told him, oh, by the way, Francis Ngannou's in the next room. He wants the box. Sean Strickland would say, well, where's my mouthpiece? I mean, he's right. ready to go. He's ready to go. A fight's no big deal. He doesn't make excuses for Jet lag, time chain, dude, that guy is always down, you know? He just mm-hmm. wants to get paid. He has been getting paid. So he's kind of like a nice, nice plan B. Uh, I'll take him if it has to be. here. I can't say enough of how much he, am- he amazed me when he beat Vittori and how good he looked for as active as he was. Now, you're right. This would be a replay, a rematch. We've seen a, a bunch of those. I'm sure Izzy doesn't want to see more of them. But I honestly feel like this Cannoneer would be a lot different from the first Cannoneer. And when it's like that, then I'm okay with it. See, I didn't think Pajeda versus Izzy was going to be that much different. So when they rebooked it so fast, I was like, oh, shit. Like, neither guy's going to improve much. They're just going to kickbox. Well, the result was different, so it worked out. But um, this one I feel like is... Is could be a little bit different, so I'd be okay with that. The nice things we have options, we'll see. The ironic thing is 293 is on September 9th, no main event. 294 is on October 21st, we got a main event, and 295 is on November 11th, we got a main event. It's weird how the USC sometimes works. Um, 300 I mean, that building is so impressive, they got like 300 employees, yet somehow they can't sometimes build the card properly. That's yeah, and odd. they got like 800 fighters um, at their disposal, too. And mm-hmm. tons of money. But whatever. Um, all right. The other big news is Charles Oliveira signed on the dotted line. I think we may have talked about this a little bit last week. It happened early last week against Islam Makashev. Um, and we have our co event of Hans Lashemaya versus Paulo Costa. There's not much more to add other than it's done.
0: Um,
1: I I hope they just add more to the card is is kind of my only
0: point. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's something that we did. We kind of alluded to on spinning back. click. and by the way, for people, just so you know, because this is something we found out about yesterday. If you're a fan of spinning back click and you want to catch it on Facebook, it's now being transmitted on Facebook as well. If you're not a fan of YouTube and that's what's been holding you back from catching that show, well, catch it on Facebook. Um, if you like our show, if you're sitting here listening to us, it's our show on steroids over there because there's other panelists. We just had our first fighter uh, coach panelist last week, and Eric Nixick. So yeah, these are uh, these are topics that, that we cover sometimes a little bit more in depth and sometimes a little less, you know, depending. But uh, I. It is, yeah. I guess I didn't think about it that way, George. It is kind of weird the way how some main events are set and others aren't, but I feel like we're gonna get to it. And I don't know, dude, I, I want to say you got to trust the UFC, but sometimes the UFC just does knucklehead stuff too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is true. Um, options are nice. Hope to see you on spinning back click. Those of you that, uh, you know, want to tune into Facebook. Here's why I bring it up. When I worked in corporate America, towards the tail end, honestly, because this was a long time ago, but I know a lot of people will work at a job where you can't even log on the internet. They'll block ESPN or they'll block, you know, something else, but they may keep Facebook open because Facebook might just be part of the job. Let's say you work for a social media company or advertising or whatever, so they don't want you looking at the Chicago Cubs score at 11 a.m. But they right. do want you posting stuff on social media. Boom, there's your little out, you know. Also, Facebook has the app on their phone. You could be listening on the phone with an earpiece. No one will ever know. It's the other ear, the one that faces the, the window instead of the one that faces the boss's office. So Facebook, YouTube, just we're just giving you options. So I'm glad you brought that up, guys. Check it out. Hey, as we've been talking some... Some, you know, small news, broke. Molly McCann, who we talked about, goes, is making the move to strawweight. So that's a nice adjustment.
0: Yeah. Um, something, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll take it. That's just. I mean, you geez. still got a
1: Mackenzie Dern that can sub the hell out of you there or a Rose Nama Eunice, although Rose Nama Eunice is moving to flyweight, but I don't think she'll be there that long.
0: You do need to do something, though, right? You have to react. There has to be some kind of reaction. And this is one. So, okay. Combine that with... Uh, and by the way, I'm uh, going to be visiting the PI. Going to figure this out while I'm there. I'm going to be going down to Kovirina Jiu-Jitsu or Robert Drysdale. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dive into this. You need to do something. You have to give some kind of answers. But uh, I don't know. that. I'm happy. But uh, I wonder if... If it's one of those reactions that you just have a little too soon to what just happened, you know, maybe let it breathe a little bit. I don't know.
1: You know, you brought up spinning back click a couple times, and I didn't get to this, but somebody said they kept it sweet and simple. Gagey by altitude. So not by Mm. KO or submission. Their point was this guy lives in Colorado. He's used to the altitude. Good point. Um, However, Poirier's always in shape, for starters. Two, I just want to point out, Poirier's already been there for about three days, and he looks like he's in great shape. So, I don't think the altitude is going to make as much of a difference. I think Poirier is just a dog. He can go 25 if he needs to, but I just wanted to point that out. If you haven't been following him on social media, he... Um, he, he's already there, and I, I think he'll be all right.
0: I don't know, man. I've seen that do uh, numbers on people. Mm-hmm. I never thought about that, though. Yeah, he does live in Colorado, and uh, maybe that is somewhat of an advantage. Poirier, they just can't have the type of fight they had the first time. At Ele- mm-hmm. That's the only thing that where Elevation, for me, plays a part. I don't think they can have that type of fight they could still have a good fight, but that type of fight at Elevation would would be a nightmare.
1: Mm All right, Here's some news that I think is going to be interesting. I'm not going to say it's um, a needle mover or anything, but guess what goes? Pat Miletic is returning and he's going to fight in a fully sanctioned pro MMA grudge match against Mike Jackson. So Mike Jackson got cut from the UFC a few months ago. He had that controversy with getting in a street fight with Jake Shields and, you know, um, all that. Now, Pat Militich actually cornered Mike Jackson against CM Punk, but things have changed a little bit. So it says here the fight has a promotional push that revolves around skill, age, and ideology differences. Let me just cut to the chase goes. I think a lot of this has to do with uh, Militich is far right and – uh, what you call it, Jackson is left. So that's basically where the grudge is. I don't think it has to do with age. Oh, shut up. Oh, man. Shut up, Grandpa. I mean, I really don't think he, that led to them fighting in the cage. I think it's the ideology stuff. Uh, I know that Jackson and Shields probably a lot of it has to do with that because Shields is so active on Twitter and he's always posting things and the other guy's always saying stuff. But I'll tell you what, um, I think some people will tune in, even though this will be kind of like on lower levels. It's not UFC or anything like that. Um, both guys have just kind of always been in the news. I guess Militich more for the legendary career that he had. We always agreed that this guy was not only an amazing fighter, he was an amazing coach. And then he turned into a pretty damn good broadcaster. And then Mike Jackson was basically a colleague of ours, if you think about it. MMA media, more known for his photography, who happened to fight CM Punk and then stuck around long enough to just kind of develop these little feuds. But this thing's going to take place on October fourteenth in Davenport, Iowa.
0: This is not a good idea. Uh, Pat Militich about two years ago, I want to say, fought Michael Nunn, the former boxer, in a pro in a kickboxing match. Mm-hmm. So you can't even say like, okay, it's an MMA guy going over to boxing. He could throw kicks, and uh it didn't go his way. You know, Pat's just an older dude now. He's always been in shape. He runs them crazy marathons and stuff like that. But he's just older now, and I don't see this as being a good idea at all, oh, man.
1: Yeah, he got runs ultra marathons too, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Mm-hmm. It's got that hook, though, you know, and I think people will tune in for that.
1: He came into our studio with one of the goats of ultra marathon running. Mm -hmm. I might be wrong, but I want to say the guy's name was like David Ledbetter or something like that. I don't know if he's that well known or what, but it sounded like he was. He had this big belt buckle um, from a race that he had done and, you know, I believed him. Turns Mm -hmm. out, one day I'm perusing social media and he was actually shouting him out. That guy passed away. I remember that guy overcame heroin and a bunch of things and then just became this ultra runner and he got militich into it. Militic got off gluten and then started running. He started running a lot. That's why when tying it into what you said, the Michael second and none fight, I thought, okay, the one thing he's gonna have is cardio, but man, he looked exhausted out there from just how grueling him make him be. That's a whole other type of cardio, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, yeah, I don't I'm not a big fan of it, but I understand and I do think people will tune in. For sure.
1: All right, look, let's get out of here. Um, We didn't have an interview for today, but I think we kind of unloaded a lot of them on you guys in the past few weeks from the Fight Expo and prior to. And so what you can do is you can go to YouTube.com, MMA Junkie Video. So it's YouTube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. However, I just came across something the other day. I believe now it's youtube.com forward slash official no mma junkie official will also get you to our youtube channel so if that's easier for you to remember at mma junkie official on youtube or youtube.com forward slash mma junkie video it all gets you there uh first thing you'll see is the replay of spinning back click if you want to start with that but tons of interviews uh, there's one with Dustin Poirier there. There's, you know, that's a preview to this weekend's fight. There's Tom Aspinall post-fight interview there from his win out in London. Paul Craig, he got a lot of love. Stolia Wrinkle, Le'Reau Murphy, Nathaniel Wood. And then if you just keep rolling, scrolling down recent events, so UFC 290, home versus Bueno Silva, Strickland versus Magomedov. All those cards, are kind of like filed. All the videos are according to the event. And uh, you can see a bunch of stuff that way as well. So anyway, all right. Um, We will see you, obviously, one more time this week. But don't forget to mark it on the calendar. Saturday, UFC 291. Watch along, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Mark it down now so you don't forget. We'll see you all on Thursday. Go out and be a champion.